Hello, sexy nerds, the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd, Ali. I am Ali, your classic nerd. And I'm V, I'm your comic nerd. Gentlemen. V? No, no, no. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was like, sorry. I'm sorry, I thought it was funny. What were you going to say? Listen, man. I know you've been boycotting, all right? I know you've been boycotting the WWE. Yeah. But my man... You have to watch two matches from last week's WrestleMania. From night one, you have to watch the Boneyard match. All right. Allen, Cuthbert, James, Styles. Are these new matches? So, I'll explain. All right. Versus The Undertaker. Oh, they're, uh, it's all empty arena, though, isn't it? There's no audience? Yeah. Okay. So, I'll explain. And then the second match you need to watch is the Firefly Funhouse. The Fiend versus John Cena. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. It's not a typical wrestling match, all right? So because so WrestleMania was supposed to be at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Which was the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it's a big outdoor stadium and blah blah blah. blah. They were expecting like 85, 90,000 people to be there. Mm. But because of social distancing, you can't do that. Yeah. 80 to 90,000, is that what you said? 80 to 90,000. Yeah. So that's how many people would have been there. Um, but they, they couldn't do it there. So what they did was they, they have their own like training gym It's called the WWE performance center. Mm -hmm. So they filmed everything in an empty, like little performance center for WrestleMania. And like they pre, they pre-recorded everything because like they didn't know what was going to happen with like, um, social distancing laws and whatever. So they just like pre-recorded everything in the course of like three or four days. Um, but honestly, man, like it made me forget that we were in like a, a like a pandemic. Well, the empty arenas kind of reminded me, but like I was thoroughly entertained. Um, now, normally, like at least for the last 10 years, I think I've watched every single WrestleMania with my cousin Zide. Mm-hmm. Like he's come over and like we've watched it together. I think there may have been one time in the past ten years where we didn't. That's because he was at school at like the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, but like every other year, like he's always just come to my house and we've watched it. So this year we had to do it via Google Hangouts. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was on Hangouts on uh, on my laptop and he was on Hangouts on his laptop and then we were just watching it at the same exact time. So like mm-hmm. it was kind of like we were together while we were watching it. It's very sweet. This. Yeah, man. You, traditions, man. You have to keep your traditions going. But because this was filmed without any fans, they were able to do more like theatrical stuff. Mm-hmm. So the Boneyard match, I, I think you would like this Boneyard match. No. It's it was filmed like a horror movie, right? And it's like it was like an action scene out of like an almost like horror esque movie. There was druids that came at one point. One guy summoning fire and teleporting and shit. It was amazing. It Whoa, was like just because there's some fancy <laughs> special effects in it doesn't mean that I would like you would man wrestling. the character the Undertaker he suits you actually not this Undertaker he was riding his his motorcycle and stuff no. but the regular. <laughs> He's an undead demon priest. Yeah, that's you. That's, I'm not a particularly. First of all, I'm not undead. Fuck you. Uh, you know, or or a demon or a priest for that matter. Uh, You're but, a sheikh. Uh, but I would, you know, I don't know. Wrestling just isn't entertaining to me. 
two dudes fighting each it out is just not my idea. Uh, two dudes simulating fighting each other. Simulating fight. Oh, my apologies, I forgot that it was fake. Scripted, uh, <laughs> it's not fake, you asshole. You know, you know the fact. Like, it's just not one of those things. Like, I've seen wrestling before, and it's mildly entertaining for a short period of time. But then it's like, I get over it pretty quickly. Yeah. There's the, a certain carny like charm to it. I think. I think that's why I enjoy it. Well, it came from the carnival days. That's where yeah. it started. But no, V, I, I'm serious. Use my. I'll send you my WWE um, network account info after this. Just watch those two matches. Whatever. Well, I, I mean, I already have your account info. You gave it to me years ago. Uh, I had to change the password recently. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'll send you the new password. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, send it to me. I guess I'll watch it. Yeah. Although, you know, you realize that um, AJ Styles is like and and Mark Calloway, the Undertaker, both kind of problematic figures given our politics on this podcast. Uh, yeah. AJ yeah. Styles more more so than, than yeah. the Undertaker. There's what, a there's like one conservatives or something of like that. Yeah, well, he's a I think he's an evangelical, right? Yeah, like AJ Styles. AJ Styles is, and yeah. he also has there was like a couple years ago there was an interview where someone had mentioned like, "Hey, so how do you feel about being an icon of the gay community?" And then he he, was, he went the gay community like really like indignantly, and it became like a meme for a while in like wrestling circles online yeah. because he was like so like why was he a, why was he a meme in the gay community? In the uh, wrestling community. In the wrestling community. But people, apparently, like, uh, I guess gay wrestling fans were really attracted to him. Because he's got, like, that soccer mom haircut. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So he looks yeah. like he's got a Karen haircut. He's oh, a good-looking guy, you know. And then yeah. Undertaker, um, I, I saw it on a, a uh, forum that said, like, just when you thought you were, just when you thought you would like the Undertaker, and it shows a photo of him at the airport where he's wearing one of those, uh, you know, uh, it's like a, a photo of like Texas and it's got a thin blue line. It's like one of those thin blue line shirts or whatever it is. I'm like, ah, well, fuck. Now mm. I hate the Undertaker too. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's like he's a dude. He's this old. He's literally this old white guy from like Texas who has a bunch of tattoos and rides a motors. It's like you know you kind of had to expect it from him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's just I I I guess I'm I mean, not the surprised. politics of wrestling yeah. in general is bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the McMahons are hardcore Trump uh, allies for, you know, even before the political career, right? Yeah. Like so, Linda McMahon's and, on the cabinet. Well, she's not anymore. She was. Oh, well, yeah. She's gone now. Damn. Uh, yeah, but either way, sense. it's like if you just look at the business practices of WWE alone, you kind of go, oh, shit. Like, the yeah. McMahons are kind of a shitty group yeah, of and it's people plugged, anyway. It's directly plugged into kind of the, the most, you know, base elements of America. Yeah, I think you've said that before, Ali. Like it's um, it's like the lowest common. I think you said lowest common denominator was like the was the term that you used before. It's like the, the the racialization that goes on there, the form of xenophobia that's there, the play against you know what's real, what's not real. That's all. It's like this is this is like I don't think there is anything. And they they talk about like baseball and. Hot dogs are like the ultimate forms of America. no, no. It's wrestling. Yeah, I mean the the the. Uh, I guess they kind of push the patriotism really hard on. I mean, they really like when you think about kind of the like the the most basic storylines. Hyper individualism, militantly violent. <laughs> like, yeah, mean, and it's like if you're foreign with an accent, you're invariably a bad guy. Yeah, yeah it's true. This you is know, true. Like, it's kind of the way it is, and then you end up, you know, it ends up you end up becoming kind of a foil for 
a guy like John Cena who ends up who's like built there just to beat you by the end, right? Like yeah. if you watch if you watch the match with Cena, trust me, it's worth it. I know I know wrestling's shit and I know it's a terrible form of entertainment, but you know what? I still watch it. It's it's it was something from my childhood and I keep it alive. It's a it's a shitty habit of mine. It's one of my You're forty years old. <laughs> Motherfucker, <laughs> if I'm forty, that makes you what? I'm like the, I, I'm, I'm literally I'm literally three years older than you. Yeah, I know. If you so can't far. do the math of that. <laughs> you yeah. can't do the math. If you have to ask how old and you that makes trait. me, <laughs> then we've got a problem here. This lockdown has fried your brain in addition to your tastes. No man, it was a it was a statement. Or not a statement. A, a whatever the fucking word I'm looking for is. I need same. to watch it. I actually do because, like, I have uh, I've tried to keep up a little bit with AEW here and there, but like, I haven't really like wa- like said I don't watch wrestling in a long time. Um, it's, it's a nice distraction, man, especially yeah, with all well, the shit know. that's going on right now. Yeah. We have we time. Don't need now, distractions. Right? That's the fucking problem with you Americans. I need a distraction. <laughs> like, Excuse like me, UKLE over your here. Entire fucking lives being distracted by everything, every little shiny object. Thirty every all your every single day is is nothing more than distractions. We're fucking recording a distraction for people right now. No, we're ho- hopefully it's giving them some form of information as well that they get some form of analysis out of this. Yeah, not the from day- two two of us. No, yeah, <laughs> you you two are fucking anchors anyway. But the point is, the point is yeah, like jackass. there's like, there's like an element of 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 like so long as Americans remain distracted and comfortable. It's never really going to be any fundamental change in the system, is there? Like that is true. Bread and circus was the Romans said. Is that it's like never been more fully manifested? Yeah. <laughs> it's like in in so two in, of my favorite things. In less in less kind of uh, over uh, overt terms, we're the we are the citizens of Wally. Have you ever seen the cartoon Wally? Maybe the movie Wally. The movie, yeah, it's a car- yeah. it's animation. Have you guys ever seen it? Uh, no. Yeah. We we had, had we had this conversation yeah. earlier. It's, like, it's, it's actually surprisingly the most accurate dystopian movie. Fat we send our trash to space. We're f- we're f- we're fat and we just sit around and watch entertainment all day long, and it's keep it's kept us distracted from what's really going on in the world. And look, don't get me wrong. I don't want to begrudge anyone their their coping mechanisms. Everyone should be able to escape every once in a while, and everyone should be able to to enjoy and and survive the horrors of the world, particularly the dystopian existence of capitalism. It's like at some point, you know, the distraction becomes a problem. Mm. So long as our comfort outweighs our need for change, then then we're stuck. Yeah. Mm. Well, isn't that... I think I had a friend of mine who mentioned that. He's like, it, it like just like... It's like so long as the government keeps us fat enough and entertained enough, right? Like it's it's not so bad. Like we'll... we'll, we'll uh, We'll justify everything else so long as we're not inconvenienced. Yeah, no, no, right. No, like, and the convenience is kind of the key component there. Yeah, like you, the world can be horrible. I mean, living paycheck to paycheck, uh, struggling with things like health insurance. It could be a lot of like real struggle. But if there's just enough keeping up with the Kardashians for you to be like, all right, I can't wait till the next episode. I've been yeah, waiting for yeah. you to besmirch the Kardashians. It's been a few yeah. episodes since you've been. Oh, it's, uh, it's been it's been weighing on my mind. So, you know, <laughs> we're in a lockdown. I haven't insulted the Kardashians in a while. <laughs> they're probably they're probably part of a lot of people's entertainment and coping strategies right yeah. now. They they were on my TikTok earlier. Dude, there you go. 
So like th- this is like there's a pr- there's a there's a prime reason why uh, Americans are a particularly docile workforce. Uh. So like I had colleagues that you remember when the government shut down, right? We, this this sounds like it's ancient history, but it's like a year ago, right? Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's it was. felt like years already. Honestly, yeah. like so it's like it's one of those moments where it's like wow, t- time is super relative for those of us that are experiencing the shit that's going on. But barely a year ago, the government shut down. And it shut down for like a month. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where colleagues in Europe were just kind of like, why aren't you people rioting? Why aren't you out there in force being like, hold on a minute, we're showing up to work and we're not getting paid, government employees in particular, right? It's like, we've been shut down for a month, are you joking me? And and that's when a, someone, uh, one of my French colleagues was like, yeah, you, Americans are a remarkably docile workforce. Yeah. You, especially when you compare, for example, like the, the protests in France against Macron. It's like, this is a fucking straight up rioting against him. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he, and he's technically a little bit more popular than Trump is. Right? Oh, there's also, I mean, I think I saw some clips of like, you know, with all the stuff that's going on with Modi also, like there's yeah. like uh, people in India um, are well, the are, Indian protests against uh, citizenship have been crazy. I mean, it, it, they're horrible, mind yeah. mostly because the, the government's been cracking down horrifically violently, but also a reminder that there's a there's like a vibrant resistance, like a real resistance here. I mean, the most we do is put on some pink hats and pussy hats or whatever they're called. Yeah. March every once in a while and then rush back to make sure that we've watched the latest episode of fucking, you know, 90 day fiance or some shit like that. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, I think we, uh, we go just far enough to post to like prove that we were on there for social yeah. media. Yeah, and then we a, kind of regress, right? Like, isn't that a, how it normally There's a self-indulgent, works? Components all about self-expression, but that this is the case, right? It's like, the, as much as media, none of these things on their own are bad, right? Uh-huh. Wrestling, reality TV, on their own, are not bad in any way, shape, or form. But within the context of capitalism, they're part of a culture industry that that basically manufactures consent by not getting agreement from you, but ensuring apathy from you. Yeah. Right. I mean, Amer- American culture. I mean, as I was remarking about this with students earlier today. Is like one of the things that I think the the our Hollywood industry has done probably more better than anything else is make us sympathize with the wrong people. Mm, definitely. Like we've joked about serial killers and whatnot, right? Yeah. That's that's the most obvious instance. Which, by the way, the other day there was some girl talking about how she had the hots for Ted Bundy. And it was they just, all have the hots for Ted Bundy. Yeah. It was one of those moments, right? It's like that's an obvious case of like, oh shit, things have gone wrong. Yeah, <laughs> right. But besides from that, there's like the reality is that we sympathize far more with the wealthy than we do with the working class. Oh, that's true. Right. That's so like true. we feel poor, we feel we treat poor people quite horrifically, and with a great deal of disdain. But we treat the wealthy. In sort of aspirational terms, and the Kardashians are a prime example of them. As much as we tease and we joke, many of us see ourselves as like we watch the Kardashians in aspirational terms, right? There's an element of trying to relate, of trying to see them as the good guys, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, and nowhere is this more evident that whenever Hollywood tries to be nitty gritty, that's when they start talking about poor people. 
Yeah. When it's nitty gritty, then it's like eight the eight miles of the world. Like that's when you start to watch movies. I couldn't even recall a more recent movie. I had to go back to eight, <laughs> like, eight miles. Yeah, geez. <laughs> right, but you you know what I'm saying, right? That's the key here is that that Hollywood portrays the wealthy in a particular way in comparison to the poor, and that's where it creates our sim- our sympathies. Right? We really like we'll go out of our way to defend millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, we really do, and but, I think we don't even realize it either. No, but <laughs> yeah. we will we will throw people who are in the same class as us right under the bus. I mean, we'll talk about welfare queens and, you know, oh, well, they should get drug tested if they're going to go on unemployment very quickly, right? Yeah. 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 But if, if, if a millionaire is caught doing a shit ton of meth, oh, it's harmless, it's not that big a deal, right? Like, we go out of our way to be de- to defend yeah. Right. Or I've seen that on Twitter where it's like they talk about how, like, you know, like some billionaire CEO of a company is going to take away health care or like do something, you know, basically does something to help himself. And you get you get a really weird percentage of people going, it's his money. You know, he earned it. He should be able to spend it any way he wants to. Like, there's a lot of you see a lot of that. Of course. And that's only that's only possible because you have a particular type of. Uh, uh, ideology, a certain type of emotional sentiment that is put forth and replicated and reinforced over and over again through our media practices. And uh, so there's like, none of these things on their own are bad, but part of a particular system, they help to uphold that system. And it's in light of that we should mention that uh, uh, as we're talking, that this is kind of a, a sort of a moment in history, that on Wednesday, April 8th, uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign formally suspended their campaign. Uh, and so he's no longer running. Uh, he'll still be on the ballot and collect delegates leading up to the Democratic convention, but he's no longer campaigning. The campaign has uh, basically recognized that the math no longer works in his favor, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's formally suspended, making uh, Biden the presumptive Democratic nominee which is so, crazy because like wasn't he like on the senate floor even while campaigning right before like while this pandemic was going on to make sure that like working class americans didn't get screwed over because of this pandemic yeah i mean there's there is something quite fascinating even now the the press is now putting out articles obviously you know months late right after hammering him as a socialist and whatnot now talking about how he's been right all along. So there is something quite fascinating, and I think when people do the autopsy of what happened in the in the 2020 election, the campaign, they'll, they'll ask why things went south. And I think there could be some real questions, some real interesting answers. One, it, it was quite obvious that Sanders didn't do a good job of expanding into the black community into the south, in the South, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think there, there was the groundwork there just wasn't there. On the other hand, did a phenomenal job expanding into the immigrant community, the first-time voter community. Uh, there, we saw some really good uh, examples of Sanders' strength, and as a result, he had the most diverse coalition of anyone running. So, uh-huh. so some good news there. But you will also look at the polls universally, even in places like Alabama. The most popular proposals are Sanders' proposals. Yeah, universal health care, free education. Like every, if you've got places like Alabama on board with you, and you're winning on the ideological, and he says it in his email, we're winning the ideological battle. 
But then they're not voting for you over an electability issue. Dude, it's because it, it says socialist next to his name. It, may, it could be socialist. It could more, more than likely just be the anxiety about change. Yeah. So you, we've already seen what a change election brings us. It brings us a Trump. So people are nervous about the idea of change, the idea of revolution, etc. And again, Americans are a very docile workforce, right? They don't want things to change too much. Mm-hmm. They want to still be comfortable. On the other instance, it's likely that this is going to turn out to be a referendum on Trump. This is less an this is a less a pro Biden vote than an anti Trump vote. Yeah, it's weird. It's like uh, it's like some of those like high profile trials, right? Where it's like you're not necessarily putting the person on trial. You're putting like the LAPD on trial or the yeah. judge on trial or like something that isn't the actual like focus of what it's meant to be. Yeah. I feel like it's almost the same thing, right? Where it's like, uh, you know, like in the OJ trial, people put people put the police department on trial more so than they actually put yeah. OJ on it, right? Like, well, yeah, and that's what we're seeing here is that people weren't voting for Biden. There's the enthusiasm gap is pretty real here, and sure, Biden has his supporters, but the enthusiasm gap is a problem for him. But people are voting anti-Trump, so this is, I think, what hurt Sanders. He was just wrong person, wrong time in terms of the election. But right person, right time in time in terms of the issues, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we're now living in a moment where, as horribles, and and we, I've been pretty pessimistic from the beginning. As much as I was, I've been pro Sanders and very unabashedly endorsed him. Uh, before, yeah, you caught a lot TV. of shit for that on Twitter. Yeah, a lot of people were were not too happy. Not a lot of people, just a couple people were. Uh, in fact, the response was actually overwhelmingly positive. You just happened to focus on the negative, as usual. Uh, <laughs> There's literally one person who had an issue with it. Um, but what was fascinating is that uh, as much as I loved him, as much as I was like, oh, this is great, I was never too fixated on the cult of personality that is, you know, the Bernie campaign sometimes. I think that's a bit of a problem. But also, I was always deeply pessimistic because I knew Americans are Americans. I don't have a lot. I don't have a particularly high opinion of my fellow citizens, uh, and I knew that there wasn't going to be a particularly high chance of winning. It was always going to be an uphill battle. But despite losing, the one thing that we we can really say is that Sanders has pushed this conversation. He's moved this in a way that was unthinkable. If you had told people a year ago that universal health care, Medicare for all, would be the most popular proposal. No one would believe you. Student loan forgiveness. Student loan forgiveness. These were like unthinkable pipe dreams. And now here we are in the middle of a lockdown and moderates are going, yeah, the bare minimum needs to be Medicare for all, universal basic income, uh, student loan forgiveness, even if it's just for the period of of the lockdown. Did you see what Trump tweeted, though, about it? Yeah. Where he like he blamed Elizabeth Warren for it. Well, Trump has always been very obvious in his exploitations. Yeah, and it's like I'm not gonna lie, like it was kind of a smart move based on what happened in 2016, where he blamed the DNC and the Democratic establishment, and then he told like, "Hey, Bernie supporters, you're more than welcome to jump on the Trump train." <laughs> like, yeah, it's clever, but it only works for people who are who are willing to listen to that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very transparent. It's obvious what he's trying to do. He's trying to divide up the progressive vote, Warren versus Sanders. He already knows that there's deep, there's some pretty bad blood between the two of them. Not personally between the two people, but between the two supporters, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, I mean, it's obviously an, a ploy, but it's not. Uh, I don't think it's a particularly successful ploy. The people that weren't going to vote for Biden aren't going to be swayed by Trump. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like no one's no one's like, oh yeah, Trump's right. I'm not going to vote for Biden. Those people had already made up their mind, and there is a segment, probably about ten to fifteen percent, of Sanders supporters that won't vote for uh, Biden. Either they'll vote third party, or they will vote Trump, or whatnot. That's not particularly unique. Yeah. Right. That's not. We saw uh, that, in that. We saw it in 2016. Yeah, we saw it in 2016, and it's also not even before that. People forget that uh, 30% of Clinton supporters didn't vote Obama. Mm. A much higher percentage of Clinton supporters didn't vote Obama than Sanders supporters did. That fifth, 10 to 15%, those are independent voters. Those are people that weren't, they're not Democrats anyways. They're, they're people that were, that were only Bernie voters. They only were coming into the Democratic uh, primaries because of Sanders. They're, they're not, they weren't going to vote anyways if it wasn't the nominee. So they, they're not going to have a particularly huge influence. But whether there'll be enough, that whether Biden will have enough support in order to overcome Trump, that's the real question going forward. So we, you know, we're, we're in that, this moment where our politics is, as usual, funky and broken and weird. And once more, we crave distraction. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I throw out a, a, a crazy theory? Sure. I think he's going to pick Mitt Romney as his VP pick and do a split ticket. Who, Biden is? Yeah. You really think he's, I mean, he's been, oh, he says he's open to a Republican. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think so. No, he's going to, he's going to pick. I would hope not. Yeah, I would think it's going to, I I think the front runners are Amy Klobuchar and Kamala Harris, but I think the dark horse is Mitt Romney. I'd be surprised if he picked Mitt Romney, but I do think I do think it's possible. He is, he has indicated he's open to. Uh, uh, Might be a smart move, man. No, I w- wouldn't. This it's a, it's a ridiculously dumb move because at the end of the day, it's repeating to a more obvious extent what Clinton did, reaching out to quote unquote never Trumpers. There's just there's not enough never Trump Republicans, and quote unquote moderate Republicans. In order to make up the gap, this is the thing that Democrats never. Only Democrats do this. You never see Republicans do this. Well, the reason why Republicans don't do this is because they instinctually understand what the evidence from political science has shown us that it's all about turnout. You need to energize your base. Mm-hmm. You energize your base. You ener- get them excited, and then they turn out and vote for you. If they're not excited, they won't turn out and vote for you. It's never about reaching across the aisle. Because there's not enough, quote-unquote, swing voters or moderate Republican voters or conservative Democrat voters that will go the other way. You don't need to reach out to them. The number of people that will go from Republican, that are never Trumpers, that will go from Republican to vote in Biden is negligible. It's just too small of a number to make a difference. But if you energize your base, then you overwhelm the other side. That's the key. And Democrats, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to understand this. Obama got this. First term Obama, that's what he ran on. Mm-hmm. He ran on that bit, like he unabashedly ran as a progressive, yeah. very progressive candidate, right? <laughs> he didn't really do much progression. He didn't. Once he was in office, yeah. completely went centrist, but he ran as a progressive uh-huh. and it worked. You've got to energize the base. And Clinton didn't do this otherwise. The last six months of fucking Clinton's campaign was her reaching out to Republicans. He's not a real Republican. My Republican friends. She's talking about John McCain. She's going re- and getting fucking Henry Kissinger's 
<laughs> endorsement. Like, oh, yeah. yes, that's really going to get the young people on board. That's really going to get progressives on board. You and pick, you going out and picking Henry Kissinger, the war criminal, <laughs> as as your endorsement. So, But she blamed Bernie for her loss. Yeah, of course she blamed Bernie for her. It's a, it's a stupid... Uh, the problem with the... With the Clintons has always been a sense of entitlement. They've never been never willing to admit any of the flaws that they actually had. But you know that's that's besides the point. So in this kind of moment of deep despair, where you have uh, our politics not looking so good, our economics definitely not looking so good, people being laid off. Someone talked about how uh, like. The March unemployment numbers were were such a massive gap that no economist had predicted it. We're talking about something like a three hundred percent increase. You mean uh, experts in, that people who are experts weren't actually experts on anything? Yeah, well, economic experts. Let's be real, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're basically the uh, uh, meteorologists of the of the, academ- yeah. of the academic <laughs> world, right? Uh, we we often joke that they uh, they study religion without actually knowing anything about religion, uh, because that's what the economy is, right? More than anything else. But they were completely, you know, no one had anticipated how bad March was going to be. So, in this moment of kind of deep despair, the thing that's been quite fascinating is the return of uh, certain shows, as you know. Things to help us get through those dark moments. So as we were talking, the past couple days, Avatar The Last Airbender has been trending on Twitter. Now, Avatar The Last Airbender doesn't have any new episodes. Avatar The Last Airbender doesn't have any new seasons. Though there is some talk of maybe a uh, like a, a, a real life, or what do you call that? Action? What do you? Live, live action? action? There we go. Live action. Well, uh, maybe a live action make for Netflix. Um, but people have been just talking about the cartoons over the past, and why? Because you know you need something to pass the time. <laughs> because you told them where they could allegedly find episodes. Uh, don't of blame it. me. Don't blame me. I didn't, I didn't say anything of the sort. I'm just saying that you know there are resources out there. I'm putting it out there. But that was uh, that's been trending. And then at the same time that that Avatar Last Airbender is trending and people are debating on whether who the best uh, Avatar is, uh, who would actually win in a fight, uh, Katara versus Azula. You don't know what I'm talking about at all, do you, Diz? When I say Katara versus Azula, your your little pea brain just goes blank, doesn't it? Because I I felt it. I thought you were talking about Cthulhu. When I I said Katara and Azula, I actually felt your brain. Your brain just go blank. Uh, like he's talking about the country Qatar and Azul, which is blue. So the country Qatar versus the color blue. I just knew. I knew it was gone. <laughs> you could, you know what I'm talking about, right? V, like you could almost yeah. hear his brain just the little wheels just spin right there. Yeah, it's true. Went, oh yeah, he definitely has no idea what I'm talking about. I started uh, scratching were, my arm. Like, what the fuck's this guy talking about? And there were people were talking about the various ships. Should Qatar have ended up with Ang, Ang versus uh, ended up with Zuko? So this was like this was real popular. Similarly, um, we're seeing that uh, there's a real resurgence in interest in the Clone Wars. Now the difference being that Avatar: The Last Airbender, Airbender isn't putting anything new out, but there are new episodes of the Clone Wars coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the past month or so, almost a month, uh, they've been releasing new episodes of the of the cartoon, the Clone Wars. 
the Clone Wars have always been a cult classic. They've been a cult classic for years now. But now it's kind of like, this is an opportunity to dip our feet once more into that universe. And let me tell you, the interest is peaking. People are talking about it on Twitter. Uh, most of the sort of nerd spheres are, are discussing it. And with good reason, too. A lot of people felt that the Clone Wars left off uh, without telling most of the story, that there's still a lot to tell. And so this is a chance to kind of go back there, particularly after the disappointment that were the sequels, right? The mm-hmm. Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. If you were feeling like mm, a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth, the Clone Wars, in the same way that the the man the uh, Mandalorian does it, so too does Clo- uh, the Clone Wars kind of it scratched that itch for you. Yeah. And that's also why they did so well originally, because they were really, in many ways, a sort of corrective to the funkiness of the prequels. Yeah, I feel like um, really especially when you have a story that is, you know, that, that's gone on for so long and has so much emotional attachment, you know, sometimes having a show, that format is so much better than a movie because yeah. over time you can tell so much so much better of a story, mm-hmm. right? And we, we've seen that. I mean, it's not a great example, but, you know, like, I could never imagine Game of Thrones being, like, a trilogy movie series, right? Yeah, like, you, yeah. can't, you can't tell that story, you know, in the course of nine hours. You have to kind of yeah. take a lot, you know, months, right, to really kind of get all the cool stuff out. I mean, it also gives you more time to fuck it up, apparently, but, like, yeah. you know, with Clone Wars, um, what what I think, what I really like about it is the fact that it's, like, you know, it. I think arguably it's, you know, probably one of the best, if not the best, one of the best parts of, um, you know, the kind of the whole Skywalker series, right? Because mm-hmm. it fleshes out the most, like, our most favorite character, in uh, in Anakin Skywalker, right, mm-hmm. or in that kind of Darth Vader, like the development of how he becomes yeah. what he is, and I think, especially given a storyline like that, right, like giving that someone is like slowly being tempted insidiously to the dark mm-hmm. side, right, a person who's supposedly good, someone that we're all supposed to like, mm-hmm. like a you know the fallen you know the, the fallen champion of sorts, right, you really need to tell that story over a long period of time, and you know, um, Clone Wars does it beautifully yeah right and i think that's that thing where it's like it's like you you you, you like anakin like there's no like the the with the the prequel trilogies right mm-hmm. you don't like him at all no you know no. he's sitting there he's talking about sand up his butthole or whatever right and like you know i'm like dude what the fuck is this guy with his rat tail ass hair talking about i hate this guy <laughs> right but then the, you know but then in um clone wars yeah. You're sitting there going, man, like he's a good general, yeah. right? Like he's he's great. He's great to the the 501st. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, like you you respect him. He's a good yeah. guy, and then you see him kind of slowly unhinge himself yeah. in really subtle ways. Well, I think uh, Christian Haydenson was, uh, or Hayden Christensen, or whatever the yeah. fuck his name was, was probably one of the most hated characters or that came out. Of I couldn't stand it. even when we were kids. This came yeah. out when we were in middle school. Yeah, people, so like people hated him. Yeah. I couldn't believe it, though. It's like you would think, right? Like with us, mm-hmm. we were like 11 through like 15 or so, right? When when those movies came out. Yeah. That's like, that's the sweet spot for Star Wars, right? Yeah. Like, Isn't that like, that's supposed right. to be the time where we're supposed to like, we're supposed to have our like emotional attachment to that right. Star Wars. Well, I think right? part of it was so, that was very jarring. You go from being one of the most iconic villains. Yeah. Right? 
who has a particular persona, stoic, impalpable, right? Like there's something about that to the kind of whininess of, of Anakin. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it was difficult for a lot of people to make that transition. And it's it's not 100% Hayden Christensen's fault, though he's not a particularly good actor. Um, yeah, that's, it's not that, like, that's an understatement of the year. Yeah. But also he's the direction wasn't good either, though. Like, but the, yeah. yeah, in his defense, like... You know the the directing wasn't particularly good. The writing was particularly bad. There was a lot. There was a lot going against him, right? And mind you, these are actors that are working heavily yeah, against like green tennis screen, balls right? and green screens. Yeah, which mm-hmm. in, I mean, as it is, is Star Wars is tricky. But then when you now enter into the era of the prequels, where George Lucas decided to just go fuck all, yeah, and just green screen everything, right? Um, and in, in a moment where green screen wasn't quite what it needed to be, um, yeah, it, it, was it came a bad off time. as funky. I mean, there's a there's a scene where Anakin is talking to Palpatine in uh, the third one, Revenge of the Sith, and you just look at the background, and it looks like it's it looks like a painting. Yeah, it looks like someone that's like a kid has painted it. It looks so fake and bad that it just it just. Kills it because nothing looks real. Yeah, it kills yeah. your it, your suspension of of totally belief. takes you out of the moment. Like crazy. it really takes you out of the moment. Yeah. And so the, it's like okay, the acting's not so good, but all, it all contributes to it. And this is where you're right. I think the cartoons Anakin is really beloved. They yeah. love Anakin mostly because what I think the 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 Clone Wars animation does quite well is that it doesn't just show uh, Anakin being seduced into the dark side. It does, but it makes it seem reasonable yeah this is a man living through war it shows how the war impacts him as well as other jedi yeah yeah. how it introduces makes him more brutal makes him more violent makes him more angry it's like the degradation of his like character right yeah there's something quite and it does and it also goes if i was in that situation all right i'd do the same thing yeah, I'd not show mercy. I'd kill that person. So there's an element of making it reasonable, and I think that's what the show does quite well. And the show also does uh, is interestingly set between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So it's actually a very short period of time, something like five years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's got a, a time limit. You can only go. So this is one of the reasons why this latest season, people are like, we know where it's going to lead to, it's leading right up until Anakin runs off to save. Uh, with Obi-Wan Kenobi to save the Chancellor, which is Attack of the Clones. Or, I mean, Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah. So the people know that there's a sort of, there's only so much you can do, but what it does really well is it fills in those gaps. It explains what happens in the periods that we don't see. Now, Star Wars has always done this, right? Even back when the original trilogies were released, they were there were also novelizations, uh, encyclopedias, illustrated, you know, dictionaries all that stuff was released to help explain the stuff going on right like because one of the things we needed to know is how does for example Luke Skywalker have a lightsaber in the third one Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. he loses it in the second one yeah Empire Strike Backs there goes his hand so where does he get a lightsaber? We know that. We know that, that he spends time training. We know that he builds his own lightsaber. How is it that all of us knew that going in to the third one or after the third one? And that's because it's all this kind of extra stuff around it. The mythos. Yeah. The mythos, the novelizations, etc. The Clone Wars is a far more official way of doing that. 
it fills in the gap in the way that Star Wars has always filled in the gap. Mm-hmm. But it does so right before our eyes. In the past, we had to rely on on the stories. We had to rely on novelizations. We had to rely on uh, guides, etc. So also one of the reasons why people weren't so comfortable with the sequels, the three new ones, is because it did what all the other trilogies did. It relies on fill the other things to fill the gap, but not everyone was on board with it yet. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure that in a few years' time, people are going to like the sequels just as much as the prequels are like, all right, it's all right, because things are going to be filled in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is what The Clone Wars does. It helps explain certain things like, all right, did the Jedi ever really suspect that Order 66 was going to happen? Right? Yeah. How did they not see this massive plot that everyone else could see? How did they willingly accept going to war when they were peacekeepers? Yeah. How does Palpatine manipulate the Senate? All these kind of things that were unanswered are now answered in it. But one of the the things that it does probably best is it brings to life the background characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not only is it that we see character development for Anakin Skywalker, but we see the character development of the clones. The clones aren't just faceless. Oh, yeah, it's Jango Fett's face. You end up liking them, even though you know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know Order 66 is coming. Yeah, yeah. You know execute Order 66, right? You know it's on its way. And yet, you can't help but to like Rex and Cody and fives like you you end up liking these characters a lot and that's what the, the it's a testament to how good the story is is when the the people who are going to end up betraying the jedi you like and yeah. it does a great job of showing that relationship between the jedi and the clone so that it makes that ending even more heartfelt and tragic that's true but yeah also I mean, other jedis right yeah. and you're a fan of plo koon Right. Yeah, I mean, his name sounds like a racial slur, but other than that, I like a him. little bit. Yeah. yeah, but like, um, at at the end of the day, he was one of those characters that really captured people's imagination. But there wasn't like he had like two seconds on screen. Yeah, I'm always I've always always been a side character guy myself, right? But like, it's um, I think there was one of the greatest things about this is really, yeah, you know, like uh, if you were to watch it in conjunction with with the movies, you really yeah. do. It opens up the movie so much more, in a way that I, I guess you really don't understand until you watch it. But like, yeah, it creates depth, right? Yeah. But but Kloon, Plo Kloon gets uh, a lot of story time in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you learn more about the Jet. I mean, the Jedi Order and everything. You do. Too, you know, you get and to it's see like, Mace Windu far more. You get to see Yoda in action. Yeah. Um, There's like all those guys where it's like you couldn't. You, they you know they obviously didn't have time for them. In the movies, so yeah, it's kind of you, cool. you even get to see, you know, my my man, Kiamundi. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, sounds like a fish. Yeah, the, no, the, he's the one with the the cone head. Mm. Like sounds big, like a the, Hindu the priest. Kiamundi is my yeah. favorite Jedi. Do you know why? You guys have the same facial hair. No, because the <laughs> guy is like he's like he's never been right about anything. <laughs> so he's like he's this. like he's the, he's he's <laughs> the best Jedi in that like you wonder how this fucker ended up on the council. Yeah. He's so brilliantly wrong about everything, every uh, step of the way, that you're just like, hold on a minute. My favorite, like you could see it right from the beginning when, uh, what's his fucking face, Qui-Gon Jinn goes, hey, 
I got attacked by this dude. I think it's it's a, it's the Sith talking about Darth Maul. Yeah. And is like, yeah, that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it is the Sith, right? Uh, is, is he like the Jedi Council's Beta O'Rourke? Like, he is. That... is. He's okay. like, like literally wrong about. If you go and watch, like just watch Kiamundi scenes. He's wrong in every fucking scene that he's in. He says something. You're like, well, we know that turns out to be wrong later on. It's Kiamundi. That's why I like him. He's my favorite Jedi. Yeah. He's like, this man has somehow managed to rise to the top. Without a single, like, single iota of, of force foresight. Yeah. I'm thinking that's probably the writers. You know, they all work regular, like, jobs at one point in their life. And there's always that one manager, right? And every, no matter where you are, that, like, is, is like that. Where it's all, like, he's literally wrong with everything. But because maybe he's, like, just, you know, he's uh, he can kind of keep the status quo. Ever, they keep promoting him. <laughs> right? They're like, all right, well, just, just give him a better position. Cause, I get you know, a feeling that if, like, Diz was a Jedi, he'd be Kiamundi. Ah, uh, yes. White just, mediocrity. <laughs> just, like, like, wrong every instance, but he's there. Yeah. He, he's getting, he gets participation. There's, there's an episode where the, the Clone Wars ends by helping to explain where Yoda learns to, the ability of extending his life, right? How does he become a Force ghost? This was always a big... Gap or a hole in in the story arc. Yeah, well, that right? was the was Qui Gon who was the one who yeah Qui Gon is the it? one okay, that learns yeah. it. So there's this like moments like we like how do you learn this like where does this come from because it was and remember Star Wars also does a lot of soft retconning right yeah mm-hmm. part of the the story has always been that I mean, we even back in the prequel in the sequel in the original trilogies um, there was a lot of soft retconning. Leia was never meant to be. Luke's sister. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, we all know that. Why? Because they fucking make out. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's, that was never meant to be... Um, uh, Darth Vader was never meant to be Anakin Skywalker. Right? Like, these are soft recons that end up happening actually, in the story. I didn't story. know that. Wow. Oh, yeah. Darth Vader was meant to be uh, com- someone completely different. Oh, was Anakin's he supposed ca- to be like a straight bad guy? Yeah, he was like- supposed to be a straight bad guy. There's a reason why... I mean... There's a reason why Obi Wan Kenobi goes. He kills Anna. He killed my Anakin Skywalker. He kills oh, your father. Right. Yeah, you're right. Holy that, shit. That, that's yeah. not that's not Obi Wan Kenobi being a fucking lying asshole. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a really manipulative lie for a Jedi to tell. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why in in uh, Empire Strikes Back or in a uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, um, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi has to sit down and like explain the entire thing. So like, oh, from a certain point of view. They added that in to help explain the fact that Obi-Wan straight up lied to Luke. Yeah, we also <laughs> lied about not knowing those droids either. Yeah. Shit. So there's a lot of like soft reconning going on. And also, like, this is what the Clone Wars does. It does a little bit of that soft reconning. And so it helps to explain things like uh, how Yoda learns the Force Ghost, uh, how he then eventually passes on to Obi-Wan Kenobi, therefore, you know, kind of being uh, surviving beyond the Order. And that helps to explain, it's like, all right, does the Jedi know... Do the Jedi know that this Order 66 is coming? They don't. But they, uh, they've they now developed a, a, a strategy that even if the Order is destroyed, they will survive the Sith through the yeah. power of the Force Ghost, true immortality, right? Kind of countering what, what, what uh, Darth Plagueis and Palpatine are trying to do, right? Which is material immort- immortality. Right, yeah. it's a great way of paralleling, but it's in that particular moment where he's like, he hears Qui Gon Jinn, and he's like, oh, I think I'm hearing Qui Gon Jinn, and Kiamuni's like, it must be the Sith. 
<laughs> fucker is like literally wrong. Someone needs to make a compilation of all the times uh, yeah. the Kiyomundi was wrong. Yeah, yeah banana headed bastard. What's your piece problem? Of, piece of shit banana head over there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, straight up, this is the reason why the Jedi fell. Yeah. If Kiyomundi is, is on the Jedi Council, I'm taking these was... personal attacks against me. <laughs> Kiyomundi, no. yeah. Kiyomundi is like the assistant manager at a Starbucks. You know, <laughs> only he's got he's got some kind of power. <laughs> Look, man, all I know is I've been seeing people complaining about it online. Who complained about it? Jerks. Well, well people are complaining. They're like, oh, these are filler episodes. Why isn't uh, Ahsoka Tana Tano? Yeah, the first the first four episodes have been not filler episodes, but they have they've been uh, they haven't dealt with Ahsoka. Yeah, so they're like, why the isn't she three. out there like fighting Darth Maul with like a lightsaber? Blah 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 blah. I don't watch the show, right? So I can't yeah. speak towards yeah. that. I know the actress that does the voice of Asaka, As- Ahsoka, 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 Ahsoka Tano, Ashley Exon. Yeah, Ashley Exon. She is complaining that people are complaining about it. She's like, no, you need this because like it builds. Like you learn more about her and like her story arc. Like, that's why well, I think people were excited because in the trailer they hinted at where this season was going, and this season is going to Mandalore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Mandalorians have obviously been popular f- with people since, you know, yeah. since Boba yeah. Fett. And yeah. they're talking about, and Rosario Dawson has a contract yeah. for multiple Star Wars shows now, but, like, they're talking about how she's going to portray Ahsoka Tano, and, uh, you know, it's going to go into the Mandalorian show. Yes, mm-hmm. she's going to like, show up in Mandalorian. Because Ahsoka Tano, they're doing something kind of interesting. Is Ahsoka Tano is ending up being the thread that, that, that they can, the needle that threads all of this together. Mm-hmm. Right, so she is technically a prequels character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, yeah. We know that she existed in that moment before Attack of the Clones and Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. but she survives Order sixty six because she's not a Jedi at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, as a result of that, she is now enters into the original ter- trilogy t- territory, and we know that she's there. We know that she's she's part of that because she's in where. The Rebels cartoon okay. series. Yeah, another good one. Another good one, right? She's there as Fulcrum or as uh, Ahsoka Tano. She shows up. She's what connects Rebels to Clone Wars. Yeah, so think of her like the Nick Fury of exactly. that universe. Yeah. yeah, And then we know that she survives all up until after Return of the Jedi. And eventually she dies. We don't know when she dies or how she dies, but she does die eventually because we hear her voice in Rise of Skywalker. Right? Yeah. It also makes it just makes sense. You can't. She can't. You know. She's lived from the prequels on. She's she's old at this point, uh, and we know that that she survives because at the end of Rebels, her and uh, Sabine decide to go off and search for Ezra. So now she's going to connect Mandalorian to all of this. Mm. So there's there needs to be a way to bring the Mandalorian into the universe. Right now, it's kind of a st- it's all doing its own thing. Kinda, yeah. And Ahsoka Tano is the one that's going to link it all together. So there's a, she is a fan favorite, which is interesting because when she was first introduced, people did not like her. Mm-hmm. She was kind of a young she was a young woman. She was kind of snappy. She was interesting. She was a, she had a sort of sarcastic personality, but people weren't on board with it. It's like, oh, it's too silly. She's a little girl. Why would you introduce this little girl into this dude's world? Right, a bunch of mm. dudes being dude bros and, and neckbeards weren't entirely a fan of hers. But she yeah. quickly became a fan favorite. 
she's phenomenal. And so I understand the desire to see uh, Ahsoka Tano because it's the excitement of, oh, shit, she's going to go to Mandalore and they're going to do the Mandalorian uh, story arc. And then she's going to fucking fight Darth Maul, who, of course, has always been a fan favorite. So I can see why some people might be complaining about it. But on the same note, this is very part and parcel the Clone Wars. The original Clone Wars started off with fucking an episode with Yoda. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with Anakin. So yeah, yeah. Yoda deciding to meet the fucking Tradarians or whatever, the, the, the race of people who are um, the, the little flappy dude from uh, Phantom Menace. What was his name? You don't remember? Fat guy? Well, not the yeah, he's kind of fat. But he flies around. Oh, Watto! Watto, there we go. Watto, right. yeah, oh. yeah. So the, he, little, the, the 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 Jewish caricature guy. Yeah, the <laughs> Jewish Mexican. You know, my my friends, or, or my friends call Hispanic me Watto. What? Why? They say that I would be Watto if I was a Star Wars character. It's fucked that's, up. That's it's messed up. Fucked up. It's yeah. Slightly racist. Yeah, I know, no, man. That's fucked. That's real fucked up. <laughs> You're definitely not a Watto. That's what I said. Yeah. It's like an unscrupulous businessman. That's like definitely not you at all. <laughs> the gambling aspect, certainly. You know, yeah. The gambling aspect, yes. but not, but not, not in terms of like uh, personality. But it starts off there. So like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know. And plus, she's already been introduced now. Yeah, but look, here's my thing. All right, you need filler episodes to build a storyline. All right, you do. Now, as you well know, based on my talk about wrestlemania in the oh, beginning of this sake. podcast i am a diehard wrestling fan all right to build a match in wrestling you need storylines and to yeah. build the storyline you need filler like right. there's a reason why i get behind the characters that i do because they build them up right if they just yeah. sent some guy to the main event then i'm gonna shout die rocky die and then he's gonna end up turning heel on me eventually and becoming yeah. the rock Man, you're making all sorts of references that I mean, most of our audience probably wouldn't really understand. You know what? The smart I mean, ones. I do. I understand it. <laughs> you know, well, like, I think I think filler episodes aren't always. Uh, you know, they don't even need to fill or lead up to a storyline. Always, I think it's good if they do. You want to set your chess pieces, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think sometimes it's okay to just build the world. Yeah. There are certain the, episodes, not always. Sometimes you you know which episodes you kind of skip through. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's certain yeah. episodes, like it's like I knew that whenever Jar Jar Binks came on, I was like, all right, I got it. Yeah, no Gungans. I can't yeah. can't do the Gungans, right? Yeah, let's, but I let's think, move on. Well, like okay, so Ali, you know, I'm gonna bring this back to you know uh, one of one of our book series when we were younger, the Sword of Truth series, right? Mm, yeah, like, yeah. You remember the uh, like one of the books? I think it was Blood of the Fold. Not yeah. Blood of the Fold. It was the one where they go to like a completely different Soul game. of the Fire. Soul of the Fire. Right, I remember because you were the one that got me into the book series, right, yeah. by Terry Goodkin, yeah. and you which know, is a series that does not stand the test of time. Unfortunately, right, yeah. it's a little bit too libertarian for me now. But Super like, libertarian. I, uh, you know, I read through whatever four or five books, whatever it is, right, and then I got to this this Soul of the Fire book, and it completely took in a different direction because it was like a completely the characters had been established for however many books, yeah. right, and it moved on to a different kingdom, and it started speaking from the narrative of like different characters yeah right now i understand the need to maybe once in a while like you want a palate cleanse yeah right but to dedicate an entire book in the series yeah right that's like however many hours it takes to read like the 500 pages that it is yeah. right it's a little bit too much so i think like you know, yeah being able to do like doing like shows that are able to kind of do like a side story without yeah. deviating too much from what's going on in the main story yeah. is probably the best way to do it right 
Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the soul of the fire wasn't just not the best story arc in general, but it also introduces characters that you'll never see again. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, I think that's just really, it's not good storytelling. I I found myself skipping through pages of it. I really don't care what happens to Beta and or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, you guys all suck. Y'all, y'all syphilitic royal royalty bastards. It's also stuff like you couldn't quite understand what was going on sometimes because there was no point of reference. I think this is what uh, Clone Wars does relatively well. Not all their fillers are great. Yeah, but some of them are pretty good. So like. One of the fillers is literally a story arc about the droids, mm. where R two D two goes undercover to How get you... some type of map, something. Uh, and there's like a whole droid story arc. It's like three episodes or something like that. So like there are there are this has always been part of Clone Wars. So I'm not too pressed about the new. Also, it was always like literally three episodes. That didn't involve Ahsoka. Yeah, it's like yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we'll you'll survive. And now she's been introduced, and clearly it's leading up to something. So, yeah. Well, this is a, this is just a. I think this is a for anyone who even remotely likes Star Wars. If like you kind of lost faith in that yeah. universe, this is a good way to kind of bring bring it back, yeah. right? And it's like the most beloved character for most people is is Darth Vader despite yeah. you know because he's kind of the most interesting one yeah. and it went from being like people kind of hated him and now you know clone wars came back and now everyone wants to be on a respirator so like <laughs> fucked up man really That's fucked a, up you're such a dick <laughs> you took that you took it too far you know what's interesting though is like the question that that it raises for me and we'll end it here is you know how what clone wars did for the prequels I wonder what show will do that for the sequels. That's the true. Mandalorian helps with the emotional component of it, right? Yeah. Like if you felt kind of let down by by the the Star Wars movies, you can dive into the Mandalorian and feel better about it, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, people have talked about like how it rekindled their interest in Star Wars. They feel it like redeemed. Uh, they're fucking love baby Yoda in a way that they hated the porgs right it's like it's, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things like it's really kind of helped people they've they've they, their algorithmic decisions have worked well to tap into people's animal brains and they love Mandalorian but Mandalorian hasn't redeemed the sequels because it's about a completely different time period yeah yeah right yeah. So the question is, what series will they create that'll help to do that will do for the sequels what the Clone Wars did for the prequels? Yeah. So like what like like the, yeah. the, basically the universe where Ray and yeah. Finn and all that will were, they yeah. create a sort of TV show with Ray and them, or will they create a cartoon series with Ray and them, or will they create a series that fills in the gaps that explains the time period that Ray spends training with Leia? Uh, that helps us understand where the Star Destroyers come from at the end of uh, the series. You know, where 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 does this all kind of develop? So I'm I'm very interested, um, you know, in seeing how that develops over the next few years because I think they are going to do it. I think there's there's no doubt about it that we're going to see a sort of Clone Wars like series, but around the sequels. Mm-hmm. We'll see how no, that. Goes. That's actually that, that's actually really. Go- I didn't think of it that way, but that's actually a really good point. 
Yeah. Like, well, we'll see. I could yeah. be wrong, but but I do. Th- I have a sneaking suspicion. I mean, they have a whole network now to yeah, be able no, to do it, right? So like Disney Plus <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> I love. We was in there like gushing over this like beautiful cartoon, and I love the product. Like, I hate Disney the platform. Plus. These bastards. <laughs> Piece of shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Diz, why don't you take us out? Yes, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy, Twitter at currently nerdy, Instagram at currently nerdy, Tumblr currently nerdy.tumblr.com, YouTube, youtube.com slash currently nerdy. We're on Stitcher, Google Play, and the iTunes podcast app. If Apple ever decides to pick us up again, those bastards blame racism on this one. Um, but make sure you're subscribed to us. If you're not subscribed to us, then what the hell are you doing with your life? There's a fucking pandemic. Listen to us. We will save you from the pandemic. And make your friends listen to us. Save your friends from boredom. Have them listen to Currently Nerdy. And give us a five-star rating and review on there. If you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. V, how can I get a hold of you? You can find me. Uh, actually, I was just a guest on the Friends in Isolation podcast. You can find them on Spotify. I, uh, I'm a little insecure because I feel like my voice sounds like a bullfrog with a concussion. But other than that, you know, I think we had a pretty good time. Haley and Heather, they're both great. So thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Go and check them out, Friends in Isolation. Um, if you want to reach me on social media, uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at VTRAN214. That's V-Y-T-R-A-N-214 on my website, thesandwichslaver.com. Ali? You can catch me on my website, aliolumni.com, on our sister podcast, Head on History, or on my social medias at A-A-O-L-O-M-I. I just released a, a new interesting thread on uh, Archangels in Islam, so go check that out. Diz. You can find me everywhere at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. If you want to get that work in NBA 2K, hit me up on Xbox, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. And also... Currently Nerdy Sports is on SoundCloud. Go on soundcloud.com slash currently nerdy for your fantasy football fix. For everyone here at Currently Nerdy, thank you for tuning in. And remember, stay smart, 60 nerds. All hail the Currently Nerdy Empire. (laughs) 